of Streaming Things, the unofficial podcast of Stranger Things. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. I'm Steve. And we are back. Episode two, chapter two, rather, The Weirdo on Maple Street. So this show, uh, we do a deep dive into Stranger Things season one, leading up to season two, where we will be back to do the same damn thing. But better and bigger. More explosions. Two ear. (laughs) (laughs) Two ear. Much two ear. So the weirdo on Maple Street uh, kind of gets right off the bat there with the homage, but we can talk about that in the ego segment. Uh, the Netflix description of what this episode entails is Lucas, Mike, and Dustin try to talk to the girl they found in the woods. Hopper questions an anxious Joyce about an unsettling phone call. And that's exactly what happens. They did a very good job. Again, I really got to give props to Netflix on these episode descriptions. <laughs> There's not a whole lot I can add it's to that. It's good that they don't just straight lie to you. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit goes down. Uh, it's still vague, but intriguing. Yeah. So yeah, we get a lot about um, Jonathan Byers uh, running forward with his camera, which is the only real thing I had a problem with this time around. I have to say, we can just start off with the negative right off the bat because that's the kind of guy I am. I'm cynical. But I was thinking, so Jonathan's run through the woods where the the last place that that Will Byers was known to be, mm-hmm. right? So he takes his camera, his '80s camera. Uh, with a, an expensive flash setup. What is his goal? Does anybody know? Because I am lost. Well, he's just investigating, you know. I'm uh, just like, generally investigating. Sure. I, he doesn't know what to do, I think, at this point. Because it almost like, makes it seem like he's, because he's taking pictures of inane places. Going out at night is not what you do if you're yeah. going to take evidence photos, right? Uh, and what spurs him to think that he's better than the police at taking these photos? So it's almost like he's using the flash, Mm-hmm. On the camera, which is obviously extremely ineffective because there's also flashlights that have a constant light mm-hmm. and doubly ineffective because if that's what he's doing, you know, old cameras this is before digital age. So with a roll of film, you've only got 26 shots, Something I think. Like that, yeah. And so I, I'm just confused. I know he's desperate, you know, and that's yeah, I'm not going to pick too hard, but it, I just don't understand that scene, like what the camera's goal it's what almost if, like he's aware of something supernatural and hoping, but it can't be because he argues with his mom at great length later right. against the supernatural. What if it's almost a way for him to process the the tragedy that his brother's gone missing? Because they established in the first episode that he's kind of an artsy photographer. Sure, yeah. So maybe this is his kind of way to kind of think about it. Because like, mm-hmm. the shots he's taking do look like crime scene photos, but they you do. could also kind of I wonder make if the there's argument. more homage there. Yeah, but you, you could also make the argument that if you're an artsy photographer kid, you'd be like, oh my God, that tire. Mm, yeah. Loss of innocence. <laughs> but he can't see anything until the shot. And it bothers me too, because since it's not digital, these frames that the audience is getting, he's not getting. Yeah, He's getting a brief flash, but we're almost seeing, I guess it's more of just an 80s crime movie. Kind of like, um, what's that movie that uh, the, the original Red Dragon that... Uh, Michael Man Mann did. Yeah, it's kind of like a Manhunter vibe. It was like, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Like that old, like, seven sound design. Like, yeah, that's super creepy. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, that was kind of an issue for me. 
uh, but very nitpicky, tiny bullshit there. Thank adding you. on to only oh, yeah, that's been for you. Uh, adding <laughs> on to that, um, what do you think about? So he he goes to Merkwood, the road that Will got lost on. He's taking some photos, and somehow he just wanders into Steve's backyard. Right. Um, which you get the impression that Steve's from a more affluent mm-hmm. family. And so why is he living in Merkwood? So why is he living in Merkwood, which you kind of get the appearance that that's where the people who aren't financially well off, like Will's family mm. live, but they're just like, you know, it's right across the woods. I, that was another thing I thought of. It's like that area. Merkwood is like adjacent to everywhere. And like, yeah. I know it's a small town, but they do a really poor job of delineating how far the search party at various times is walking. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, we're in the okay. We're where Will was last seen, and oh, secret weird science base. Yeah, it's a stone's and throw and from the Steve's house. <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. clearly, really close to Will's house. Well, the, oh, by the, the way, there's a Denny's here. Oh, the I'm science sorry, a compound. Benny's. The science compound was closer to Benny's, though, right? I guess. Like they had a search party behind Benny's, and they found the science compound, and then like. Uh, Jonathan goes on Merkwood and is like, oh, that's Steve's house. Right. Sweet. Let me take some killer photos. Yeah. If we drew a map and crayon of the city, it would be very small. We could use a 8 by 11 sheet for yeah. sure uh, with Merkwood taking the up search, most of it. A search party didn't take long at all. This They're is no like, token map. Well, well oh, it's 20 feet. All right, let's go. It's not here. We're going to head right in the first episode. Like, where's the girl? She can't have gone far. Yeah. Like, literally, she couldn't have. Literally, she said, Benny's, you can see it <laughs> out the window. Hey, Benny. Benny. <laughs> Benny, is she there? A uh, Benny. Is that a Denny's joke? I just realized, or was that me? Well, it, it could be. I mean, I'm a genius. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, they do sound similar. Breakfast at Benny's. Is that a breakfast <laughs> at Tiffany's 80s illusion? Which is a 50s film, but I meant like the, the song. Say, what about? Is that an 80s song? <laughs> I'm terrible at the music on the show. I think that's a 90s show. song. Yeah, it's whatever. Stu, nobody asked you, bro. <laughs> 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 so we... <laughs> The beginning of the episode is almost a match cut. It's not a match cut, but you know, it's it's almost like that from the end of the last show. Yeah. That with the rain. Mm-hmm. I just felt like they did a good job. Very detail oriented, these Duffer brothers. And I feel like a lesser filmmaker would not be so obsessed. Like it maybe wouldn't be raining in the very first scene of the following episode. Uh, so they're like they're aware that it's a binge model where they probably just finished watching the first episode, which is very difficult to do in a production, I would imagine, mm-hmm. you know. I was just immediately scribbling away, like, damn, good job. I mean, they probably filmed it the same day, you know, like. Okay, maybe. Um, um, the, I, I would have would have well, thought Probably so. not, though, because it's in the woods, and then you got a house shot, and then you're going to reset up everything. Maybe. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. For continuity, but I just, impressive either way. Um, oh, oh, that's right. Because the last episode, the first episode ends when they're outside and it's yeah. raining. And then, okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, just good, you know, continuity. Absolutely. Script supervisors on it. Yeah. Know, like, hey. <laughs> Props to the raining. unsung hero of Stranger Things. <laughs> script the supervisor. script supervisor. Uh, didn't Google him because, I mean, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what stood out to me a lot in this episode, uh, and I pointed at it last time, but Hopper's, you know, you really get the foreshadowing um, of something that's now overt that his daughter had gone missing and passed away, right? Well, she didn't Maybe go not missing, missing, but, but it's yeah. lost, right? Missing to him yeah. symbolically. He's missing her. Uh, but he's so, it's so subtle how they always play up um, when he confronts Joyce and they have that argument over the phone call 
And it was interesting because now it's his turn to be dismissive of her. Right. Right. Because we're in the last scene, he was finding this evidence and she's like, it's just the fucking dog. Leave me alone. Now she's, you know, the phone. Da, 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 da. He's like, okay, it's just some crazy guy. The storm is why the phone did that. Uh, so it's his turn to be dismissive. But when she attacks him uh, out of her grief and says, wouldn't you know your own daughter's voice, which is a, di- you know, which is breathing, which is a dick move. Yeah. Uh, but understandable mm-hmm. you can just I love how it's so subtle like that look on his face yeah his jaw a, like locks like a moment of passing mm-hmm. yeah and then he stumbles outside and starts eat, chugging those mystery pills yeah you know? <laughs> which what are they Xanax I'm sure <laughs> some sort of nerve pill I guess but he mm-hmm. never acts Xanaxy you know he doesn't black out and wake up with fucking Cheetos all over him ever oh, that we first know first scene <laughs> that we meet him he's passed out on the couch That's surrounded true. by beer you know? totally does do that my B he passes out and wakes up with a random woman next to him uh-huh. <laughs> you know and that look of disgust on his face when he like and she's beautiful like that yeah. is not a uh, what did I do you know <laughs> moment for me personally uh, and who is this mystery woman? Yeah, do are we do we know who that is yet? No. Definitely not yet, and I don't okay. know that we ever do. And okay. is it a fling? Is it a relationship? I think it's just characterizing him, you know what I mean? Like there's no like I, well, I love how they cut from the party anymore. and then let the soundtrack keep playing and there was the beer everywhere. So it, it was very much like supposed to have the lingering um, you know, delinquency feel, the lingering party feel. Yeah. Right. But I don't know that it was appropriate because she was like, seemed like a nice lady. You right. Know? Uh, and why would she be with him? Because he's clearly unstable. <laughs> he's definitely in his frumpier era. It's the badge, bro. He leaves they the, see the badge. Mm-hmm. And it's all over. <laughs> the, uni- the men in uniform. I mean, he leaves doors open when it's freezing cold and he's smoking. I know it's the 80s, but jeez, man. She goes out there and she's like, make me warm. What she really means is close the fucking door. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she really means let's do it again. Well, that's implied. <laughs> when one door closes. <laughs> Another opens. Yeah. Vagina. Yeah. That's what you meant. Just in case the listeners didn't get it. Welcome back to vagina things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then he's also very protective of Joyce, um, which also goes in line with his uh, dead kid, I think. Yeah. Very insensitive way of saying that. But when the cop, uh, you know, talks about her, yeah. he's like, dude, she just lost her son, has some fucking class. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's very much empathetic towards her situation, whereas the other officers are not. And I just think they just do these really subtle tricks to keep you in line with where Hopper's at in this was yeah. some sort of emotional investment that he has. Um, I'm sure he would have experienced a lot of, uh, tactless comments over the course of recovering from the loss of his daughter, you know, like, Hey, her kid's missing. Have some class. Like, right. Hey, there's things you don't say. Mm-hmm. And he, he's dealt with that. I'm sure he, he knows what she's going through at least to an extent. And yeah, he's just, it's characterizing him. It's alluding to a backstory that we don't know yet, mm-hmm. at least as far as like what actually happened with his daughter. And, you know, you know, at this point in the series that there's some kind of tragic loss in the background, but they have not been overt with it yet, you know? So it's just sort of hinting at some deep, darker thing for him. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. Well, and it reminded me too, I didn't mention it last episode, but, and this is from last episode, but I love the way when the teacher was trying to pry, he lied to him and said, she's with her mother in the city. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I got this immediate sense of so brilliant that like, it's not that he cares to hide that fact or that he's ashamed of it. Just doesn't want the pity, yeah. the questions, that awkward moment where it was almost like to spare the teacher some mm-hmm. uncomfortableness that he lied. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to make you feel really awkward. I don't want to feel like dealing with that fucking shit right now. I'm almost out of Xanax. I'm just going to lie, you know, uh, which does some more characterization for Hopper. So, But that Hopper's one lady awesome. was... More than happy to come at. Was oh, that Flo? Dead. <laughs> was that Flo? I can't. I, I don't, don't think it I don't was. Think that was. Yeah, who's that lady? Older. Yeah, who's that, that fucking bean spiller? She's just on the PTA <laughs> board. Nosy girl. Yeah, I'll see dad. Yeah, and he banged Joyce, I think, too. So you can talk about that anytime. No, you he want. doesn't close the door when they do. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cold out. This heating bill's got to be through the roof. Salaries for sheriffs must be good. <laughs> Which I don't remember, and I should say for the listeners who haven't listened to the show before, so our shtick, uh, we always uh, record the episode right after watching the most recent show, um, and Andy has seen it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve and I have not seen Stranger Things Season 1 since its premiere about a year ago, so it's very fresh for me. I don't know how much Steve remembers, but I was kind of shocked when I'm just able to put it together for the second time, which is really fun. Uh, the police, uh, you know, he's like, and he banged Joyce, right? Didn't yeah. he? So they leave that kind of in the air. And then later when Jonathan goes to see his father, Lonnie, um, he's like, is Hopper still sheriff? So mm-hmm. you kind of get that sense that he doesn't like him because he banged his ex-wife. Yeah. That's what I'm picking up now in my head. Is that where we're all on the same page there? For sure. Yeah, there's, they're definitely leaving those bread cr- breadcrumbs to mm-hmm. get to that assumption. Sex crumbs, we'll call it. Sex them. crumbs. <laughs> that just sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's true. That's true. Sorry about that. <laughs> Another, speaking of Lonnie, it was. I, I thought you were going to say speaking of sex crumbs. <laughs> speaking of sex crumbs. Do you guys ever know? Do tell. Um, I thought it was very interesting that everyone, you know, it, it's Joyce's kid. Joyce's kid's missing. Joyce's kid's missing. And then the one guy that was eating at Benny's that saw Eleven come in. Eleven come in. He's like, oh, that that's not Lonnie's boy. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing that that that's one Lonnie's. dude oh, has more yeah, of a connection to was... Lonnie than Joyce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a weird. No, that is very good. It's (laughs) very duffery, patriarchal thing. Yeah, there's that, but also like the to bring it in, like they all know Lonnie. He used to live there. It's a very deft, subtle move. They're Mm -hmm. duffer, deft, deft duffers. Um, I have Lonnie question mark in my notes here. I'm not sure why. Other than was it? Do I like him? No. Uh, (laughs) I think it was to Google an IMDb and see what other things he was in because he looked familiar and it looked the way they treated him felt like a seasoned actor mm-hmm. that you were supposed to recognize but I didn't do that so we'll just move on there that actor I feel like I would believe it more if he was Steve's dad yeah. like just the way that guy looks mm-hmm. he, to me at least he looks more like Steve's no. dad well that's the thing I think and they do a very good job of that that he's uh, very immature and unwilling to be you know Ted you know, from the first episode, so unwilling to be Ted that he's a terrible father. And he, you know, left his wife for this younger woman who looks like she's straight out of like an eighties exercise video. Um, and you can just, they do a great job of establishing the kind of lifestyle he leads. You know, there's some, uh, officer hopper beer cans everywhere. She comes to the door. She's obviously very rude and uncouth to guests who are clearly mm-hmm. young lost boys looking for their missing brother. Like right. that's all over his face. And then she makes a flip by the end of the scene, like, oh, he's cute. Yeah, so she goes straight from, like, what are you doing here? And then just in case you still have any shred of liking this lady or the situation that his estranged father's in, she pulls out the, like, I kind of want to fuck the young one. You know? And you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I see what you're doing here. Yeah. And then he doesn't even get mad. He's like, yeah, 
<laughs> which is super, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't blame you. The seed is strong. Let's <laughs> see the Game of Thrones reference. I love it. Uh, I did notice that Steve's hair is way more douchey in the 80s in this episode. Huh. I just slightly, it was like down in the last one, but they really feathered it in this time. The flock of seagulls thing yeah. going, which is maybe another homage. Um, first appearance of the Eggos. Yay. Yay! We were all excited about that. Kind of an unceremonious introduction to the Eggos, with knowing with what how iconic sure. they become. Well, they gave it a good pop out the toaster. <laughs> well, yeah, but that, that, Eggos are so iconic with Eleven specifically, and uh-huh. she's just kind of like, uh, no, I'm gonna eat this. Oh yeah, she did just. She take, doesn't really I react. Like to she it. didn't look at it like, what is this? Oh yeah, she goes right. But for that's it. how she is. She's always hungry as shit. Like mm-hmm. with the French fries, she wasn't like, is this food <laughs> yeah. or? Why it's so salty? Ooh, I'm greasy. I wonder if there's ketchup here. She's just like, ah. These are actually straight out of the fryer. <laughs> <Right>. Really? <laughs> ah. Yeah, she just took a little uh, dainty bite. Do you think if you just hand anything to Eleven, her first instinct is to bite it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's like the three-year-old. She's like baby Holly. Here, if you want to watch TV, here's her remote. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She's just biting the lazy boy. Actually, what freaked me out more than anything is there's no syrup, even on... Um, that is weird. Even on Mike's egos. Yeah. And he should weird. fucking know better. And he was drenching his pancakes in syrup the episode before. And his, his eggs. eggs. Yeah. yeah. His fucking But egg. no syrup on the waffle because he's a freak. He's yeah. an ego. So purist. I think the weirdo on Maple Street is actually <laughs> Mike who doesn't use maple <laughs> syrup. Genius, Duffer <laughs> Brothers. Wow. You thought it was 11 the whole time. <laughs> nope. Wow, Duffers are the deaf Duffers back again. Wow. I like that scene, though, uh, where um, they're at the breakfast table and Mike's like, oh, Nancy, did you have a good time studying yeah. human anatomy? And it's that, Poor. That, <laughs> that perfect brother or sister, like, shut up. And they're, like, kicking yeah. each other yeah. underneath the table. Like, that, I love that scene. That's such a good uh, just picture of what brothers and sisters mm-hmm. are like. No. Yeah, especially 80s brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she was a little too quick to get what he was alluding at though not that she's not smart they've established that but she doesn't know that he saw Steve climbing on the roof good point so I thought maybe like a narrowed eye of suspicion may have played better for me there Hmm. but I guess we're willing to grant maybe they've discussed it because it's not the first time they spoke that morning and you know I'll give it to him or maybe Steve got in bed and he's like hey you're a little brother that's true uh, as well Sneaking out. Did you know that? Yeah. (laughs) Should we be concerned? (laughs) I'm really worried about your brother. He doesn't use syrup. (laughs) Um, Another, some quick notes. Uh, Skim milk in the 80s. Was that a thing? Don't know. Um, Because I it was, because the 80s was when the huge diet fad hit. You know, that's when it was like, uh, they started pushing gyms and exercising and diet versions of everything. It was very much an 80s thing. So I I, I would see skim milk being that. Yeah, I guess. It struck me as odd. He's like, what, 12? 13. No. He's like, we got juice, skim milk. And I was like, dude, you don't fuck with skim milk. There's we got no soy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I was like, what is this? Whole like Foods the, is right next door to Benny's. The gluten free 80s. Benny's. Because I didn't get hit to skim milk till my late teens, you know? I was very much a whole milk little boy, but I was chucking. You know, I was more of a, a Dustin or a chunk or something. Anyway, um, the lazy boy, that was huge. I think they did a great job. Uh, that's also super 80s, right? Mm-hmm. But all very much so. In the fabric and everything. But. 
I just couldn't believe that. And I don't, you know, I don't mean to grant them. I know the Duffer brothers are obviously very smart, but the fact that they could remember that as a small child, how fun just popping the leg out <laughs> on a lazy boy is. Cause I hadn't forgotten until I saw her little face and I'm like, dude, that was the shit. I did that all day. And that was like a, a name brand. I remember growing up when people were like, Oh, you have a lazy oh, boy. Oh yeah. It was lay hyphen Z hyphen boy. That's literally the only name brand of a couch that I know. I don't know right. any other name brands for couches. Oh, totally. It's like a band-aid. Yeah. Like Lazy what? Boy Band-Aid Oh Band-Aid Because Band-Aid's a brand It's actually yeah. an yeah. adhesive strip You know But now it's just Band-Aids Now chairs are just Lazy Boys Not Lazy Girls uh, 22 inch was funny Yeah It's yeah. like 10 times bigger Than Dustin's <laughs> Yeah He's got a 2 inch T Because <laughs> I can remember Watching TV as a kid On my 19 inch and then being forced to watch some things on the 12 inch, like, damn it, I couldn't watch it on the big screen. And then when we got a 32 inch, I was like, holy shit, it's got a VHS built in it, you know? So that was cute and cool. Doesn't rewind, don't care. Uh, so, and then a quick uh, tidbit from last episode, we figured out baby's name is Holly. Baby Holly. Baby Holly. He refers to her as Baby Holly. Mm-hmm. Which and reminds me of Buddy Holly. She still got that uh, that mug too. Yeah, she's a alcoholic. <laughs> Holly is on her way to some hard drinking. She just responds to every stimuli that way. You're in a rough life, Holly. <laughs> Dinner is for liquor and contemplation, guys. <laughs> liquor and contemplation. Stop fighting. Um, Millie Bobby Brown is the name of the actress who plays Eleven. She is so good. She, she is, is amazing. She's so good. Ridiculously good. Uh, I was struck every scene. I kept trying to write it because we have a segment coming up later called Chocolate Pudding, wherein we enumerate our favorite moments. And every single time Millie was on the screen, I wanted to write it down, even the most inane things. Like, I'm almost ashamed that I put finger gun understand as a potential <laughs> candidate. Like, that's that's silly. I like it's so early. Yeah. But I it just I love the way that the writing there is cool, too. But just the way she does it so convincingly, like it terrified me, like they're going to finger gun me. You know what I mean, like with them, we can't do that. Like and I love that he just believes her. I know the that he's a kid are too high. Right. <laughs> How does he just believe her? Like he doesn't know her and he immediately understands like, oh, they're going to shoot me in the fucking face. OK, then we can't. OK, plan B for sure. This girl buzzes her head. She means business. <laughs> right. She She's doesn't got play. A tattoo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I believe. Yeah. So Millie Bobby Brown, I think, won an award from the Screen Actors Guild for outstanding performance. Um, Be well deserved if she did. Yes. So her and Winona both one for that and I think she's one of the only ones so I'm waiting for the moment when she shows her tattoo to someone and instead of saying 11 they go 011 I know because that's that what I would have said I, who skips the zero I don't know <laughs> I think that they put the zero on there to make it very clear that it's 11 and not like two Roman numeral yeah. two Roman numeral two or? Well, even the, the ones have the notches and the lines under though don't they I don't think so I thought it was just a zero I think they have one line notch line. there's a there's a yeah. one identifier I'm okay. pretty sure just for me like when I'm reading a ticket like at a raffle which I do frequently yeah. <laughs> you know you, you read the last three digits you don't want to read all six but I always go like zero two five all right you know I never go 25. <laughs> so, yeah, I picked that up, too, Steve. I'm glad you said that. Um, okay. Millie's so good. I put there for sure. And then, oh, when she's in the closet 
and you get that PTSD and you immediately sense like she's so good at her mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old she is as an actress, but just looking like she's been through a world of shit. Just the, the fear that's just pouring out of her. Yeah. It's so just palpable. Just flip she can switch between what you just described and then just the childlike wonder of yeah. oh, lazy boy. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Or ego. <laughs> <laughs> had better. French fries were better. <laughs> Benny had ice cream. <laughs> I love the editing in that scene too where they put her in the closet and then they show her being dragged into that uh, confinement cell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's just this close up of her you know looking up and crying out but they like keep cutting it and like yeah. they keep jumping ahead in shots but it's the same shot but it's just jumping forward and it yeah. just, it's really cool mm-hmm. the way that they utilize that edit yeah I wrote down um, uh-huh. the seamless use of flashbacks in this show is striking me as like incredible yeah because flashbacks are really hard to do and have it not be corny Mm -hmm. in your face and it's very clearly normally just like we didn't know where else to fucking put this super important information boom you know and it really takes you out you kind of see the wires you know you see the wizard behind the curtain when people do that in movies but in this show it's almost like diegetic flashbacks which i know is cheating and inventing something new but i think it works like so for listeners that don't know when soundtrack is used uh, diegetically it's the sound is in the movie itself. So like Guardians of the Galaxy was some recent examples that try to do that a lot where they have like a tape player. And sometimes it's really a struggle for them to make it diegetic. You know, yeah. and they're like, do you got any more of that sweet ass music? And then they <laughs> pop it on and then it's the soundtrack for the scene. But these flashbacks are just like in the first one, it was seamlessly put into her walking again to the fort, you know, and it cuts to real time and she's still looking in, but it's empty now. It was just mm-hmm. genius, you know? Um, and in this show, he hears the clash on the radio while he's driving in the car. Mm-hmm. And it just seamlessly cuts to him listening to that song with Will. Um, and then the scene you're talking about with the PTSD closet, you know, she goes in and she's reminded by the closet and the confined space of that memory specifically. And so we go there with her and we go there with him as he's reminded of that. Right. We go there with her as she's reminded of that. You know what I mean? It's just so seamless and fucking good. The through lines of it are excellent. They're really, really just, yeah, like smooth. Mm -hmm. There's no other way to put it. And they they do it a lot with editing and and with the show specifically, just like the tiniest detail from one scene bleeding over into the next. Um, I thought immediately of the... uh, the party scene, the debauchery of the uh, kids drinking on the Tuesday night or whatever, cutting into the, all the beer cans laying around with Hopper, things mm-hmm. like that. Little visual threads to kind of handhold you into the next scene are just yeah, the really well done. Editing raised phenomenal. a little hell. Raised a little hell. In that bedroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm saying. Uh, I always try to point out the 80s thing. We should have a segment called Most 80s, but uh, the 80s hair of Steve, uh, the 80s van that the you know the scientists pull up in they're not oh, okay. 80s scientists with their 80s boots and their and 80s suits hazmats yeah yeah like my son's four years old and he likes to dress up a lot so he loves Halloween but he does it all year round if I had like a four year old hazmat suit costume it would be those guys <laughs> right. you know what I mean it's yep. so cheap but it doesn't look low budget because it's the homage factor mm-hmm. you know what I mean and they've got like the 80s I don't know what I just made up a name that it probably is what they made up ectograph 
<laughs> like, it's so like when they were tracking the trying oh. to find the Demogorgon. Yeah. You know what I mean? The scientists with the hazmat mm-hmm. suits. And they find his goo in the shed. And you just automatically get it's so 80s, like, oh, <laughs> technological thing, doing techie stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's beeping, it's finding shit. Like, it's beeping a lot over here. <laughs> Does it do that? <laughs> That's so 80s. I love it that they remembered this shit so well. Um, how sad was it when Eleven is screaming Papa? Yeah. That's heartbreaking. Because you immediately get the sense that you know that's not her real father, but that he has manipulated her into believing that he's her patriarch mm-hmm. and that she feels so betrayed. And there's all these allusions to like child abuse. Uh, I mean, it's really child abuse, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's also like he really was her father and it's just, just because even though he's watch. complicit in, you know, everything that's happening to her, she's still crying out for him to help her and yeah. he doesn't do anything. He, he's, he's willing to let her suffer, which is why she has so many issues with trust. And so when she sees like, it's so heartbreaking. And the moment when he comes back to the closet, you could see the look on her face when Mike returns after having to delay his mother. Mm-hmm. She didn't expect him to come back. Mm-hmm. She's trapped in there and she's weeping. Like, here I go again. And that look on her face, like, holy shit, promise? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay, you can trust people right. sometimes and they'll give you cool treats. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, I had that big star by that, the relief when Mike comes back. Um, uh, great foreshadowing. Again, a lot of people might be listening to or listening to this while they watch the show for the first time, so be warned. But um, Hopper and his fellow officer deputy standing on the cliff talking about what yeah. would happen if he jumped off. Some pretty great foreshadowing there that obviously we probably missed the first time around. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, that would fuck you up, break every bone in your body. Yeah. The dude's like, no way. You know? Yeah. <laughs> pretty Fuck sure Jim it. jumped it way back in the day. I'm pretty sure Flo did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she took a couple of your crazy pills and just, it was fun. Flo's a wild gal. <laughs> she likes to party. Um, what'd you think about the clash? I'm just going to throw this out here. So if you guys know what I'm talking about the clash, double entendre the for sh- listeners at home, play the clash. Double entendre. The, should I stay or should I go? With uh, specifically Winona Ryder's character. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Just like Fleetwood Mac from the last episode. No. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. That was Jefferson Airplane. We're well aware. Stop sending your emails. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was brilliant because obviously it's just an homage thing. You know, Clash, 80s, boom, boom, boom. And sure. then she's literally in the car wanting to flee because what the fuck just happened. Yeah. But should I stay because it has something to do with where my son is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I go, there will be trouble. Or wait. Yeah. However it goes. And but if I stay, there will be double. It's gonna uh. be double. I <laughs> 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 thought it was really good. Let me be a little corny. Um, yeah, no, it's good because earlier on in the episode they kind of uh specifically Lonnie, mm-hmm. he insinuates that maybe she's not a great parent, maybe um, we've only gotten one side of the story that she's not this great parent that we've sure. been believed to be. And so when she runs out in fear, she has that moment of, should I leave or should I stay for her child? And she stays for her child. And it's kind of like a mm-hmm. exclamation point. Like, no, she might be a flawed character, but she is sure. a good parent. She's here. The dad left, mm-hmm. but she didn't. And that's, and that's family guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really lonely and scary with wall <laughs> monsters. And no, I totally get that. And, and I love that about this show, uh, you know, because I had some turmoil in my childhood. And 
neither parent is perfect. And I, you know, obviously Lonnie's a dick, but I'm sure he has a side to the story. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure she had some issues that she took out on him. Uh, she may have fucked Hopper. I don't know. She might have hopped all up on Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> but even aside from that, like, I'm sure it was no cakewalk and that he was not just the villain, you know? Right. Uh, and they do, I think, a pretty good job of really subtly pushing that through. I don't know. Agreed. Any overall overall thoughts or, you know, for the plot recap uh, before we dive into our segments? or Some great comedy, which, again, they seamlessly interweave with the horror. Yeah. Um, but some of this might be your favorite moment, so I don't want to spoil right. some of yeah. those moments. Uh, just real quickly, I'm back. Mm-hmm. this okay. is this is something you'll probably hear me say multiple times throughout the season. Mm-hmm. But I love you, Mike and Nancy's parents. No, well, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> That's all fair. Uh, Mike and Nancy's parents. Can we just agree are like the worst parents ever? <laughs> the most oblivious parents of all time. They've they've got guys sneaking into their second floor. They've got a bald girl living in their basement and mm-hmm. they're none the wiser. I'm pretty sure Ted doesn't even realize he has a third child. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who's the fuck? Who's the drunk baby? Like, when did we get a drunk one? <laughs> that one looks cool. <laughs> yeah, Ted's definitely bad. I, I got a lot more sympathy for the mom. Um, she seems to be like giving him extra slack because his friend's missing and I think in her mind That's true. in her mind dead. Like yeah. you can tell she's like, mm, Will's yeah. dead. So it's okay if you fake sick today because you know, Will's dead. <laughs> but you better go tomorrow. Yeah. Because uh, that's, that's mommy's day for DJ Hero. <laughs> I got to watch my soaps. <laughs> DJ Hero. <laughs> uh, I don't know. And I had friends like that too. They weren't neglectful parents, but they kind of had too many kids to keep an eye on. They both had careers. And we kind of just were always in the basement doing crazy shit. And they didn't know. They just wanted to assume that we were up to good. And we mm-hmm. were not uh, to their chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, but I totally get what you mean. The, the one thing that stands out to me was a little much when there was like a clear bump. There's like a body falling. <laughs> She's like somebody up there. And he's like, um, nope. <laughs> they're sitting at the breakfast table and Eleven literally walks down the stairs and like Mike chokes on his milk like spits it everywhere Dustin just bangs his hands on the table like look at me and they're like, he's just like sorry spasm yeah she's, she's just like eh, spasm yeah like, okay right. he's weird and he got no teeth in the front so Mike I don't want you to bring Dustin over <laughs> he doesn't eat my meatloaf and I know he's fat <laughs> I had two bloody sandwiches for lunch he doesn't even know why. <laughs> I know why. He's a little chunky. That's a great line, too. Like, I had two bologna sandwiches. I don't even know why. <laughs> it happened. Yeah, that's what made the comedy of that moment. But even when she comes home, there is clearly four footsteps. You know what I mean? You don't oh, have yeah. to be like an auditory wizard or some kind of Hopper-style detective to hear, like, as more than one person. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Tad? <laughs> Does that flow with you? You know? And she's Flo likes to party. She's totally fine with assuming it's just her son sprinting around upstairs in his sickness and grief. On all fours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's playing Tiger again. Skipping school. Um, hashtag justice for Barb. No. You guys remember that? I do. I do. That'll become a, a much bigger thing later. I do want to say we can spoil this. She was in the Emmys opening. Remember that? I think like, she won uh, an Emmy. An Emmy. Oh god! Because it was like an absurd. Really? Um, nah. 
it was an absurd thing. I remember being talked about that she was probably one of the least deserved of an Emmy for this show. Yeah. And I think one of the only winners on the acting side. Wow. She got nominated. Is that all it was? It was just yeah. the nominee, but the only one to be nominated. Okay, I don't know that she was. Yeah, it's just insane yeah, that she that got she nominated got at for all. Two episodes. Yeah, two yeah. episodes and a handful of lines. Well, really, in and, those and I don't think they were delivered super great. No, they I mean weren't. she played her part well. Yeah, but I was kind of really analyzing it, knowing that she had been nominated this time, and I'm thinking, nah, mm, eh. she's not any better than anyone else on that show. Yeah, like she's not terrible at all. I would say she's nowhere near even the top echelon of that show. No. Yeah. Even if you take Winona out, take Hopper out, she's right on like, I don't know, Lucas level. Yeah. Lucas level. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so moving along, uh, chocolate pudding is a segment wherein we point out all of our most favorite moments and we try to rank them from three to two to one, which makes sense because that's how numbers go. I Down. found the chocolate pudding. Found the chocolate pudding, <laughs> uh, which some new listeners may still not understand. We're going to get there. It's really cool. So chocolate puddings, your favorite moments of the show. Stu, what's your first chocolate pudding? Uh, coming in at number three mm-hmm. is Winona Ryder's freak out towards the end where she's on the phone. She gets her brand new phone working. She hears the monster and Will. Um, the reason why I really love that f- uh, that part of the, the show is if you pay attention to the staging of how they stage just the, the setting, they put her, I don't know how they did it, but they like put her chair in the middle of this house and somehow move everything away from her so she looks so alone in a giant house mm-hmm. and we've seen that house it's not that big sure. but it looks enormous the way they've just kind of staged the furniture around her uh-huh. and she looks so small and vulnerable and then of course she starts freaking out and hearing the music like we said I like the the Clash song in that scene but then you get a wall monster and that's yeah. cool how fucking terrifying would that be not even the wall monster but back up to where there's flickering lights you just heard like otherworldly things on the phone you've definitely heard your son's voice now yeah uh, the phone is again shocked to char, you know, to, to charge nothingness. Not, it's not that dramatic, but it won't work. Right. <laughs> it definitely hurt you. It, it's a little black and it won't work. And then that radio kicks on at full volume. Like, you ever get in your car after jamming your ass Ugh. off on the way home? It's like, ah, whoa, way too much. What was I thinking? Pass me is off out of control. You know, like, it's like that times a thousand. And she just has this momentary, like, huh? Oh, it's the clash. Thank God. You know, like, I don't know. Wait, that's in Will's room. <laughs> I should say. Andy, what's your number three chocolate pudding? Um, My number three chocolate pudding is Eleven and the Lazy Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, Adorable. It, yeah, it's just super cute. It, it was another one of those, you know, plot irrelevant character moments that, like, reminds you of your wonder at the world as a kid and it it gives you that sense of eleven as a character like everything is new to her and it you know and it plays up the 80s set dressing it it, it just fires on every feel good point it possibly can and yeah it, it was just another one of those little scenes that I tear up at for no reason other than it just made me feel good, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For it's probably sure. one of the happier scenes in the entire series. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's happy tears. Yeah. You know, just like, oh, lazy boy. And she's like a genuine smile, like like Millie was actually having fun on set, you know what I mean? Not like, oh, this is the 400th take of me ripping the <laughs> lever on the lazy boy, you know? Like, it, it, it looked like the character was having fun, the actor was having fun. I'm sure that the writers had fun 
remembering it and making the scene themselves and yeah it's all good stuff I'm gonna go sit in a lazy boy now kind of <laughs> said I didn't, cry. I didn't buy a recliner happy tears <laughs> can we record this show from now on in lazy boys yeah, yeah. yes Just fall asleep no. halfway through recording <laughs> we don't have the money so we're gonna uh, set up a patreon yeah. <laughs> lazy boy <laughs> it is streaming things pod at gmail.com um Let's see. What is mine? I didn't rank them. I'm just very obviously. Okay. I will say uh, the reigning questions on 11 is my number three. Uh, moving in. I'm going to cheat a little bit. and make it a really long moment. <laughs> but this, that opening thing where they're reigning questions on 11 at the beginning. And they sure. won't shut up. Like, where's you from? Why are you bald? What's up? Are you deaf? You know, and they scare her. <laughs> not, oh, deaf. not deaf. <laughs> um, and then when she tries to get naked and their reaction, uh, she gives her, you know, clean clothes and she has no sense of propriety. She doesn't mm-hmm. even know how to eat a fucking ego. Like, no syrup. She doesn't question Mike at all. Like, there's no syrup. You know, so clearly she's got issues. <laughs> so when he gives her clean clothes, she just goes to change right in front of them. And they all freak out, uh, which endears us to these boys who we oh, already yeah. know are good people. Dustin's in the background. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my he God. does, like, he does the, it again. Like missing the die. You know, like, <laughs> they just can't handle. He needs some of Hopper's medicine, I think. He's I love a very kid. anxious kid. Um so it has a twofold thing. It's a comedic thing and it, it characterizes Eleven, but it also characterizes the boys and makes them, they're very wholesome, honorable kids. They're not going to take advantage of anybody. They uphold honor at all costs, right? Um, so they all turn around and freak out, you know? And I just, you know, I just thought that that was a noticeable thing because when I was 13, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wouldn't have pushed the envelope, but I would have definitely hung back like, hey guys, you know, she does her thing. Go on. <laughs> Hey, man. Everyone's like, no, wait, don't. And you're in the background. Don't stop. <laughs> I, like I said, I wouldn't have probably spoke up for it, but I wouldn't, you know, I would have been in the back like, leave her alone, man. She does what yeah. she does. You Chris, know? where'd you get popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just really thought it just had like a triple whammy effect of just characterizing everybody in the room and being a comedic thing yeah. and moving plot. Very good. Very good. So I'm going to say uh, raining questions as that. So uh, you're number two there, Steve. Uh, my number two is another Winona Ryder scene, and that's when she uh, hits up her boss for a phone and two weeks' pay. <laughs> uh, I love I love that scene just because you totally understand. You know, she needs a phone. Her kid's missing. If someone needs to call her, she needs a phone. So mm-hmm. you understand why she's there. Uh, you get the impression that she. I mean, it reinforces that she is working hard all the time. She's a hardworking single mom because she says, like, I've never taken a day off. Know, in 10 yeah. years. 10 years. She should yeah. own that store. For real. Like, what was the boss's name? I didn't write Donald. it down. Donald. He's such a boss name. Donald. <laughs> Give this woman, like, assistant general manager or something. Right. Come on. She knows the store. Um, but then she kind of... <laughs> Uses her grief in a way to haggle. Mm-hmm. For, it's interesting they went that route. Marlboros yeah. and pack of camels. Pack of camels. Not even Marlboros. Me. Yeah. Pack of camels. Two weeks uh, advance, and he goes along with it. But that last one where she asks for the cigarettes, he gives her that look like this fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you kind of get the sense again. I just, I don't want to just call them geniuses the whole way. I'm sure they're they're no Mozart, but they're very good at layering in stuff that would normally take a lesser filmmaker or a showrunner mini episodes or a much more expository boring moment to convey where you just get the sense that she has been beat down and walked over for so long and it's not so much that she's manipulating others allowance of her grief but gathering strength for the first time in a long time because she's able to not give about give a fuck about this shit you know she's taken so much shit for so long 
And now she's like, fuck you. This is what I've done. This is what you're going to give me. Or I'm going to beat your ass, Donald. And a pack of cigarettes, bitch. You know what I mean? And you owe me so much more than that. But I'm going to be nice and just take this. And the nice phone in the back. I know you keep for flow. It's like, it, it, like you said, it's very empowering for her to see like her kids missing mm-hmm. and she spent so much time maybe not hanging out with Will or Jonathan because she was at that yeah, place. Yeah, she says she works Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas. She, she missed out on all these family moments and now literally her family is missing. And so, yeah, screw Donald. Yeah, yeah fucking, that I dude. hate everyone Donald. named Donald that I can think of except Sutherland. What a class act. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, and you're Doc. number two. Um, so my number two was the, uh, contact from Will that, uh, we already discussed the, uh, phone call, the cure song playing in the background. Um, I love the, uh, the monster comes out of the wall and she freaks out. She runs. We already talked about the brilliance of the should I stay or should I go cure song coming up. And you know, the fact that she, the clash, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, and the fact that she's willing to risk everything to come back in for it. Um, I just love how it was set up earlier on. So it's more like I, I love the th- the thread of it throughout the episode. But how that song was set up as being an important symbol in the story. Um, and what it meant for, it, for Will to like bond with his brother. And like the scene when... His brother's like, do you, Lonnie's not coming, is he? He's like, do you really even like baseball? And, you know, he's being the big brother. Like, you know what? Let's hang out. Let's listen to some music, you know? And, you know, this song's important to him. And um, it's, it, it was just all of that built up throughout the episode to culminate in um, Joyce recognizing it as being symbolic of her son and not e- not even really knowing her son's there but knowing that this is something that she needs to be there for mm-hmm. because she needs to be there for her son uh it's just brilliant yeah totally super well done okay uh my number two has to be uh the third act of episode two chapter two uh when barb gets taken by the demogorgon justice for barb Hashtag justice for Barb, which we can bring back with this show uh, from the dead, from the upside down, the hashtag. <laughs> uh, I just love everything. As much as I bitched about the camera, I think uh, when Jonathan using that device to kind of just still frame black and white, just it really creeps up the vibe of that whole set piece that he's creeping from the shadows. There's some sex going on. They very, I think they make a point to show that he stops taking pictures. I actually laughed out loud knowing that it wasn't what it looked like, but he lifts the camera yeah, back he, up. But, you know, she takes her shirt off. They move in. He pulls the camera down, clearly angry, uh, but a little turned on. <laughs> and then he pulls the camera back up to his eye and he's looking at Barb now, but yeah. for a second, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> lost the honor. He is not like his little brother's friends. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just sitting forlorn at the pool, uh, and then just classic horror the way that it you know appears behind her, and then she's gone. Uh, very effective scene, I felt like. Uh, and at this point, if you haven't seen it before, you're like, "What the fuck?" And I'm still like, "What the fuck?" To be honest with you, it's another little tiff. I don't know if it's a failing in the show or if it's something I just don't remember. But we're definitely not clear at this point what the rules are for how the demogorgon goes. 
Right. Does, yeah. can he, is everyone at danger at this point? Because he seems to, and he obviously can telepathically unlock doors, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is an influence from his dimension that he has. He can smell blood. That is a thing for sure. But is ever you know, is it only Hawkins? Because I know that the entrance, if I recall, I, I don't want to spoil, but it just confuses me as far as the rules of his movement. Mm. Uh, but that's my number two. Anywho, Stu, your number one chocolate pudding. My number one chocolate pudding goes back to a scene that Andy mentioned earlier, and that's the scene with uh, Will and Jonathan bonding over the Clash song. Mm-hmm. Um, that... That, that's very, very heartwarming, just kind of him playing the big brother and making sure that he's okay, because screw Lonnie, man, that yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and coming from someone who, when I was growing up, my, my brothers were significantly older than I, mm-hmm. and they were very much the sports guys, and I'm a very much a nerd guy. So I kind of relate to that whole idea of like, oh, they only want to do sports things. They don't right. want to do Star Wars things. <laughs> and... uh so it's very humanizing. And also Jonathan pulls out, he's like, yeah, we can listen to The Clash. We should, we can listen to David Bowie and yeah. Joy Division. I'm like, all right, I like this guy. He's got, <laughs> he's got the, he's got the jams. He's got good taste. So yeah, that's, that's my number one. He's protecting him from the dysfunctional family, but also on like a base level, just being older brother. Like I will show you the ways of pop culture. Yes. Right. This is what is cool, which is a very much older brother thing. Uh, and that was cool. They just kind of combined those two things into a very realistic interaction there. Listen to this album with a candle lit and you'll see your future. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> the who. Um, my number one was actually the moment where Eleven is trying in her limited way of communicating to show the boys where Will is. Yeah. And having mm-hmm. seen it before, you know, but the first time is just extremely intriguing and you're just as confused as the three children, you know. Um, but having seen it before and knowing where it goes, it's so brilliant the way she turns the board upside down and sets, you know, Will in the black and then sh- slams down the Demogorgon piece to show them, no, these are not people with guns. Some, some fucked up shit, you know? Right. <laughs> and again, their willingness and the willing suspension of disbelief on their part is just amazing. I love it. And it's it's totally, I buy it, you know? I just, you know, knowing where that goes, pretty solid foreshadowing. Very fun for a rewatch. Glad you listeners are here with us because there's Good some fun stuff. layers. Uh, Steve, did you do your job on this episode? Do we do we hear Andy's number one? My number one. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Fuck, I always do this to Andy. One, my number one pudding. <laughs> Give the man his pudding. <laughs> Let me try again. Andy, your number one chocolate pudding. My number one chocolate pudding. Um, I've had the chocolate pudding. Was Stu's number three. Uh, oh, huge disagreement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the Stu. Um, it, it was... Uh, so Joyce goes to work and she's freaking out. She needs a phone. Um, she knows that her son's trying to contact her through that. She doesn't know how it's working. She mm-hmm. doesn't know why. She knows that there's bad stuff happening because there's monster sounds. She's getting electrocuted and shit. But she's like, all right, Donald, I need this phone. I was, I don't have money. I gave the money to my son so he could get flyers for my missing kid. I need two weeks advance. He's like, oh, I kind of got to pay this guy. And then, like Stu said, he she names like, I've been here 10 fucking years. You know, I n- never have missed a shift, etc. And her voice breaks and she says, I don't know where my boy is. And uh, it's just so well done. Like, you know, like she is exasperated. She's dealing with her boss, this mm-hmm. authority figure that walks all over her. And she like breaks for half a second. In it, and then, you know, like reaffirms herself, and it's like, 
I need two weeks advance this phone and a pack of camels. It's like, <laughs> yes. Like, you know, it's such an empowering moment. You know, it's good stuff. I wish she had went on in a lighter <laughs> and some socks and a blow job. So the guy you called in to cover my shift or <laughs> whatever. Uh, very good which chocolate by, puddings, which guys. Which, by the way, um, is that a thing you can do? Can I can I go to my employer and be like, "Yo, Donald, I need two weeks advance on my paycheck." I don't think advances Stat. are a thing anymore. Not in my world, at least for sure. <laughs> I mean, I've done it um, for employees, like let them borrow my money, but like. Like they have money like a that, ledger that no, like he was no filling ledgers. out. Yeah, that'd be on an iPhone for sure or an iPad. <laughs> no. Not in corporate America. There's definitely no advances. We got out of that shit. We ain't helping people no more. After what happened with Joyce, they were like, cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> Donald made some phone calls just like, this isn't working out, guys. 1983 profits were extremely low, Donald. What was up? Well, let's see what happened. This, this fucking bitch. 2017, he's going to be like, well, you should apply for a rewards card because every like $3 you spend, you get a penny back. You can apply for the phone in about 15 years. <laughs> we actually have a missing kid loyalty club. Uh, so I think this will apply for you. The APR is very low. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, we took that joke to the ground <laughs> and the upside we down and going. deeper. Yeah. <laughs> there was one thing I wanted to mention real quick before we get to, to Steve's segment. Um, the milk. And not the snorting of the milk was very funny. We talked about that. But I had a weird moment where the fact that he's drinking milk for dinner which is now weird to me with savory things, mm. meatloaf and salty vegetables. I used to do that as a kid. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Drink milk with savory things, yeah. which is fucking bizarre to me now. Milk <laughs> is for sweet things. And I drink almond milk now, but that's beside the point. You know what I mean? When I was a kid, it was always orange juice, milk or water. You know, that's mm-hmm. all you get. Yeah. You, you pick one yep. and is, you know, there's soft drinks sitting over there, but you can't have those. It's yeah. orange juice, milk or water. And so, yeah, I would always go with milk. So did anyone else have that moment of like, oh, shit, I used to drink milk at weird times. That's yeah, right. I found out later I was lactose intolerant. So yeah. <laughs> it was a bad childhood. He's just shitting everywhere. Like, this is so bad. <laughs> Give me the water. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, I just want to bring that up and see if anybody else had that feeling. Uh, so, yeah, Steve, your segment. Did you do your job? Will call. Will call. What is will call? Uh, will call is uh, when we watch the episodes, we try to count how many times someone yells, Will or where's Will or says his name in some annoying fashion. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the rule is sometimes there's volunteers who are shouting his name, which is very much just background set design, background noise. set noise. We will count them if they are the sole dialogue happening. But mm-hmm. as soon as like Harper starts talking okay. or Hopper starts talking, then you really want to call him Harper. I do. I don't. <laughs> Hopper just ba- doesn't sound like a name you call a man. It's a bunny rabbit name. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would call a rabbit Hopper. Not- or Dennis Hopper is a real person's name, so I feel bad now. Anywho, he's dead. Which is also an eighty star. Are we talking I was some blue Harper velvet Lee, here? Like to kill a demogorgon. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Solid reference. Very layered. Okay. Um, so what was the will call? The the call for episode two was seventeen times. Wow. There were seventeen under will. episode a little, one. Though. A little down from episode one. A little which down. Which makes sense. Five down. The people are losing hope. <laughs> yeah. Like, this kid's <laughs> been missing a couple days now. He doesn't any water or milk. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Wonderful. yeah, we'll see if that number continues to trend downward or if it goes up at uh, all. Let's make, can you make a, uh, what's it called? Uh, prediction. A plot graph. 
What's uh, it called? Flowchart? Not a flowchart. Oh, I know what you're talking about, where you have the dots yeah. over a period yeah. of time. one of those. Yeah. We're not statistics, you know, smart people, but... Uh, line graph, I guess? I yes, know. I believe. Maybe. Uh, a dots Anywho, and lines. Plotting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make a dots and lines. Pencils and rulers. <laughs> Let's make a dots and lines. That sounds like something Donald would say. Okay, the best performance in Chapter 2. Andy. Um... Winona Ryder. Winona. Uh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, she had iconic scenes in this episode, and uh, she just fills the screen. You know, I mean, like, we, we talked about it on the last episode. Like, uh, the kid playing Jonathan was named Charlie Heaton. Um, I believe so, yes. Like, how difficult it must be to be working opposite her and... She, yeah, she just kills it. She really does. Um, and especially in this episode. Okay. Uh, Steve, you're number two? Baby Holly. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she is great. Uh, no, I would have to go with, is it Millie? What's her last name? Bobby Millie, Brown. Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. Uh, she, <laughs> the, the girl who plays Eleven. She was fantastic this episode. Just like I said, go, being able to flip that switch from wide-eyed joy and wonderment of discovering all these new things like a lazy boy mm-hmm. to just being absolutely petrified that you're in a closet. Yeah. Um, and she really sells that closet too. Uh, so she's just fantastic. I, I wish I could act that well, let alone be a child actor who can act right. that well. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I, I have to give it to Millie as well. Um, I think that she's given so little with her script She's obviously she can hardly speak, so she has very little dialogue. She has mm-hmm. one word sentences that hardly make sense. They're out of context. She has to point at herself, and it always works. And there's always many layers to everything that's going on. Like you pointed out, there's the wonder, the fear, the confusion, the righteous anger, and the deep power that she holds that we're only getting hints of so far. Um, and she just does such a great job of giving all of that. And at her young age, you know. Uh, Winona has got so much experience and oh, not, yeah. to, not to just conflate the two and take one from the other. Like, well, pound for pound, Millie fucks <laughs> Winona up right now. That's not what I'm getting at, but it's impressive. I'd pay to watch that fight. <laughs> she reminds me, and this is going to be bizarre and I'm getting a lot of shitty emails, but she reminds me of Kristen Stewart. And let me explain that she does very little on the surface, but people begin to see so much depth. Okay. Yeah. And I think, now, Millie's obviously much more widely loved, I would say, probably, as far as the people that, you know, there's much less on the fuck Millie camp than the fuck <laughs> Kristen Stewart camp. Poor but Kristen Stewart. Stewart's getting a lot of awards, you know, and recognition now for people realizing, oh, shit, she's doing something. Like, mm-hmm. there's some very subtle work that's actually more difficult than hysteria. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, and it's a thing. We try to make movies all the time. And, like, acting normal without looking like you're acting is a lot of times way harder than acting like hysterically sad mm-hmm. or maniacal or something like that. And she does a very good job of being chill and reacting to small cues and being normal. So looking real. So uh, props to Millie, Millie Bobby Brown, which is also itself a meta 80s reference, the Bobby Brown. Am mm-hmm. I wrong? Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. That's right. I think you're right. <laughs> Actually, before we roll on, you were vindicated this episode. I am. Wait, I was. You were. Because last episode, we were talking about uh, Hopper, whether he was, you know, he stayed in the town and was Mm -hmm. always the chief or if he came, went to a big city and came back. And it's confirmed. 
Confirmed. Confirmation. He was a big city cop and came back. <laughs> Makes you feel like a big city cop again, and, Hopper. Which these deputies are such assholes. Like, oh, your friend just died. Makes you feel like a big city cop again. <laughs> oh, dude. And it was Cheering you up with a hole in his head, isn't he? Way to go, Benny. It was such a tiny scene, but like the way that uh, um, the gentleman that plays Hopper, mm-hmm. his, his name? Uh, David Harbour. David Harbour. The That's way- why I want to call him Harper. <laughs> oh, so no, it's not. Like, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the way that he delivered that line, the the his you know goofy friend cop or cop friend says, kind of kind of makes you sad. <laughs> 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 he, he says, kind of makes you feel like you're in a big city cop. You're a big city cop again, huh? He says, yeah. Except you know, before I was dealing with strangers, Benny was my friend. Uh-huh. You know, that That's was a great line. It yeah. was really well done. Actually, until Stu pointed it out, I never realized what a fucking dick these guys are. Yeah. But almost... They're like comic relief. Sociopathic, though. It's almost like to the show's fault. They take so much care and detail being realistic within these supernatural confines Mm -hmm. that it it makes no sense that these tiny cops who in four years, the worst thing on their beat has been an owl in a lady's head, right? Mm -hmm. Fluttering by it. There's flutter again. And now they're seeing dead bodies and flies and like things to turn a normal man's stomach that you have to be hardened to or sociopathic to endure. And they're cracking jokes. And (laughs) And even after uh, Hopper says like, oh, Benny was my friend. The one guy doesn't react like, oh, shit, that was I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, man. He's just kind of like, they're like the Jane Silent Bob (laughs) cops. Like the one just stands back and say anything. The other one just says stupid shit the whole time. Like Like there wasn't any like stomach turning or like, oh, smells bad. Or the one dude made a a smell. He did did a smell bad reaction. But the the, the one who's like big city cop, that guy, nothing. (laughs) That guy's killed people before. (laughs) It's like, I can't wait till they find my bodies. They're like, Will's missing. James, (laughs) James, <laughs> what'd you me. do with them? Wasn't me. I took Sally. <laughs> Nobody missed her apparently, though. And I love that. Uh, though, before we move on again, there's something. Things are just coming to me. Hopper and his depression and his feeling like he's cursed took time to research when the last suicide in this town was <laughs> and when the last missing child. The summer of '23. <laughs> in an era, there was no internet. He didn't whip out his phone and depressively Google this. <laughs> he, he, went to the the he went to the fucking library <laughs> yep. and poured through the records on the big magnifying glass screen thing with the old newspapers. And what were those called? I don't know. Clearly, I didn't know. Why'd you Why'd you bring that up? I don't know. I was hoping Andy was. <laughs> I said on that. big Mi- microfilm. Microfilm. Oh. Microfilm and microfiche. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I used to work at a library for three years. Why didn't I remember that? Because <laughs> you were fools, too. <laughs> so, yeah, he put a lot of effort into those stats to pull out in the middle of the night. Anywho. Uh, so our next segment we call Easter Eggos, which is a very self-explanatory. Uh, we like Eggos. They're very prevalent, relevant to the show. And we're hunting for Easter eggs. So our favorite little Easter eggs that we were able to notice throughout the show uh, helped along by our research of the last year, of course, sometimes. Uh, Andy, just throw out an Easter egg there. Yeah, uh, the title of this episode, The Weirdo on Maple Street, Mm -hmm. is a reference to an episode of The Twilight Zone called The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like a uh, Twilight Zone reference. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought... What's that like? (laughs) It's kind of like a double whammy. To me, it brings back... Because I I never watched The Twilight Show that often enough to memorize Mm. show titles, but... 
I immediately thought of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Weirdo on Maple Street. It can't be an accident. At the very least, it was like a secondary, like, oh, shit, that's cool, too. Yeah. You know. Plus the whole Egos thing, you know, like that they didn't use maple syrup. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yes. That was something. Yes. That was the true meaning. We uh, don't use maple syrup on Maple Street. Juan <laughs> <laughs> Avas. Uh, Steve. Your um, ego. One of the first ones they throw out is. Um, I think Dustin compares Eleven to Michael Myers. Yeah, indeed he like, did. What if she's like Michael Myers? Which, what does the obscure comic have anything to do? <laughs> <laughs> He's not obscure. Austin Powers either. wasn't out yet. <laughs> baby, <laughs> baby Driver. It was supposed to be Michael Myers. Yeah. This is Michael Myers. Yeah. Like, what, Jason? Um, okay. I have none of them. No. Uh, Dark Crystal. There was a Dark Crystal poster that was I never there? noticed before. Where was, was that at? Super awesome. In um, Mike's room? Mike's room, yeah. My, I love Mike even more Dude, now. Mike's yeah. the shit. Dude, Dark Crystal references. If you make Dark <laughs> Crystal references, I like you more. Uh, Andy. Another ego from Andy. Um, ego Andy is what we call him. Let's see here. There is a uh, Jaws poster I noticed in um, mm. um, Jonathan's room. And that comes back later. Indeed, indeed. Uh, stew straight to stew with the ego. Um, I thought it was a nice homage when uh, Mike's leading Eleven around the house and kind of showing her, you know, his lifestyle. Like this is the lazy boy. This is Yoda. That's very much an ET scene. Mm-hmm. I think Elliot even does the Yoda thing. Mm, Yoda. Yeah, and Yoda itself is one of the Easter eggs there mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah. They're so really driving it home that, and you said this last time, but for some reason it made more sense this time that, or maybe it was Andy that Eleven is ET, yeah. right? With the power, uh, holy shit! That's obvious. I'm, re- I'm, I'm ridiculous. He literally hides her in the closet, like, yeah. e- like an ET. And the founder in the shed, and mm-hmm. the levitation powers, mm-hmm. and showing him around the house. And-, and then when, when the mom comes home with, uh, I already forget her name, Baby Holly. Uh, Baby Holly is wearing a yellow rain. Oh, just like Drew Barrymore's character. <laughs> and Will phones home. <laughs> oh my God, guys. We cracked it. The Duffer brothers are hacks. <laughs> this is just E.T. <laughs> and then Andy, what was that poster that you deciphered? It was Evil Dead. Yeah, there's also an Evil Dead poster. Sorry and, to steal uh, that. I'm sorry, bro. That's all right. No, I'm sorry. Bro. Uh, this is a pretty cool Deep Cuts one. Um in uh, homage to Jaws, mm-hmm. um, the monster is attracted by the drop of blood by uh, Barb. In the water? Ba- yeah, Barb. Much like, like a shark a, is attracted to blood. It, well, it's like a shot from Jaws, like they drip the blood mm-hmm. into the water and then like... Dun, dun, you know, and if you dun, listen closely, yeah, dun, dun, it was actually there. It wasn't, up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it super wasn't. But yeah, it's... Uh, that, yeah, I, th- I think that the uh, monster being drawn by blood and that's a uh, a thread that comes back later in the show that that, that was pulled straight from ET or Jaws ET <laughs> the, mon- <laughs> the monster's drawn to Reese pieces <laughs> uh, Stu Ego from you um, so I don't know if this is technically an Easter egg but this is what it made me think of is when they were looking over the quarry is that a reference to Stand By Me perhaps uh, that's that's what I immediately yeah. thought of I wasn't sure if that counted but I'm just, uh, it made me think that it stand counts by me. everything counts Andy, when I stole your, I just thought I just, that's why I was laughing. I wasn't laughing at Stu. When I when I stole your Evil Dead poster, you should have said, "Hey, bro, Lego my ego." <laughs> <laughs> 
Any, uh, that would have been good. Anywho. We owe the money now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have one that I think is new. Probably not. Nothing's new in the world of the internet. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption ego. Mm. When the police look through the drain tunnel, mm. it's the exact shot of when they discover the tunnel in the wall of the prison when they pull the poster oh, off the wall. Which, for those who don't know, is an adaptation of a Stephen King property. Mm-hmm. So it's not 80s. Yeah, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. But it is Stephen King, and they're very about that. I don't think there's any way that that was an accident of that exact framing. I mean, it's an obvious way to frame something. It's kind of like inside the trash can move in like film school. <laughs> but I don't know. I just felt like that was very reminiscent of yeah. that movie. I've, we've all seen 300 times on TNT to me. <laughs> um to not be noticed. But anywho, that's, there's that. Andy, another I, ego from you. I, this super doesn't count as egos, but can we just get a shout out to all the jean jackets in this show? Jean jackets! I mean, like, uh, it stuck out to me when uh, uh, Jonathan was putting up his uh, flyer for like, hey, I'm, my brother's missing. Mm-hmm. And in the background, uh, Barb's wearing her giant balloon pant jeans, weird <laughs> 80s, you know, balloon pants. And uh, I don't know, just... It's not egos at all. It's just the lengths that they went in this show to be accurate, to to avoid anachronisms, to mm-hmm. well, uh, to they killed it accurately too. portray this uh, setting. Just fucking brilliant. And at five million dollars an episode, they fucking better. Jesus, was it? Jesus, for the first season, it was that much. Jesus I Christ! So. No wonder Netflix is like, like six billion dollars in debt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, it's paying off though. <laughs> for us, that's what I mean. Uh, just a few bands. I don't know if anybody's got any bands written down, but it's kind of far stretch egos. Uh, I threw out the cure. The cure? The cure. Hmm. When did the cure play? Please God, let the cure have played because I made that mistake last time, but I'm almost positive when uh, they're partying and jumping in the pool. I stopped the world and met with you. Uh-huh. Mm. That's modern English. You're fucking kidding me. <laughs> Didn't the cure cover that? They might have, but that was the modern English version. You know what? You're a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listeners. I think you're getting... I'll be honest. I don't like 80s music. (laughs) Or 70s, apparently. (laughs) Jefferson Airplane. (laughs) I'm 90% sure... We don't have any devices. We like to focus on you, the listener. We could easily Google this quickly, but we don't. Because we focus on you. And what we imagine your voice would sound like, <laughs> your ear holes and what they look like. So I'm not Googling it, but I'm pretty sure The Cure covered that song. And that's the version that I know. I'll stop the world and I'll melt with you mm. like a Reese's Pieces. <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. Moving I hope on. this becomes a thing like every episode. Like, <laughs> Man, I really love that song by Fleetwood Mac. Like, dude, that was David Bowie. Diamond M track, though, bro. <laughs> that was Metallica. <laughs> Did anyone hear a metal riff? Like a metal, like literally like a heavy metal riff? Or was I tripping? What, what scene? Just, ran, I don't know. It was like a cut. And it was like, da <laughs> <laughs> Okay, my ears are fucked. Go on. What's another ego from you, Steve? Us uh, going on bands. Uh, they they had a, I think it was mostly played when Jonathan was like looking, mm-hmm. when he was searching for things. Uh, they played, uh, I, I can't, I'm going to mispronounce this guy's name, Vangelis, Van Helis. He's the guy who did the soundtrack for Blade Runner. It's very like synthy. Okay. Do, 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 do. It wasn't Van Halen. 
It wasn't Van Halen. No, it's a Greek guy. <laughs> That'd um, been awesome. <laughs> but he, but he's best known for making the Blade Runner soundtrack. But yeah, he, they use a lot of his songs. Okay. And in the series, and the first instance was in this episode. Awesome. And, yeah, I really like that. So you're much are, better at the music thing, for sure. If you got the Van Halen and I couldn't even get the, <laughs> the modern English. Jefferson Airplane. I got one that's definitely a stretch that I completely made up, but I put it down as an ego. Jonathan looks like Edward Furlong a la Terminator 2 to me. He does he look does, a lot like him. yeah. With the, just his demeanor, but he's got like the greasy hair thing. and mm-hmm. like, But he is handsome, but like needs to clean shit up. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah. yeah, they look a lot alike. They both have jean jackets. There's that. Well, I mean, that was the thing, you know? It was the thing. Mm-hmm. Plus, they both have, like, death machine friends, mm-hmm. and they speak Spanish. None of that happens. Hasta la vista, baby, get it? No, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, we've got a couple more. I do. Do you? I have one more. Okay, Stu. Oh, me? Yeah. Um. So, uh, to... This is kind of like more what with Annie was going instead of jean jackets. I just want to like sing the praises of Barb's Trapper Keeper because that thing is beautiful. <laughs> mm. That thing's got you. That thing's got layers of Velcro. It's pink. It's big. It holds all her homework. Everything. <laughs> can we go work? Can we go back to a time when Trapper Keepers were the I thing? I want one. Those are the best. Kids these days don't understand the joy. Mm. If of- there if there's someone under the age of what 25 they're probably like with that trapper keeper oh for sure and they say it in a snooty stupid voice like that uh, can i snapchat it <laughs> <laughs> is there a trapper keeper filter andy do you what, have... what kind of apps does it come with <laughs> <laughs> do you have any more egos Nah, i'm all i'm fresh out <laughs> oh bummer um i have one i don't know so that's kind of a half an ego so somebody already bit a huge chunk off of it it's a go <laughs> i know that i read somewhere that nancy's body in the window with the blinds when he snaps that photo that is a almost you know pixel per pixel rendition of a popular film from the 80s poster again meant to do some deeper research to provide you all with exactly what that was that's the point of a show like this I did not do that in my excitement to reach you the lovely listener uh, so you should look that up and let me know email us at streamingthingspod so the, the, at gmail.com the photo of her is supposed to be I a think. poster uh-huh. okay. that's what I read and I it was on the internet so it has to be true <laughs> and then uh, again with the jaw Andy's right that the, the blood part is definitely mostly jaws also another little predator thing I felt like with the jaws mm. the actual jaws of the Demogorgon yeah. damn that gets deep okay that's it for Easter Egos which brings us to the end of streaming things streaming things streaming things which if you haven't picked up that's how we imagine the show Stranger Thing is pronounced out loud you know you know how it's like when you go to work and you're like, hey guys, did you watch Stranger Things last night? Yeah. And then two other did. people come out of nowhere and also <laughs> whisper it. Uh, yes, so that is it for another episode of Streaming Things. Uh, you can send your feedback to streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That is streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and be sure to tune into episode three, which we will do in a couple days. Please, if you're listening, and I know you are, Take the time to rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, sincerely, that would mean a lot to us. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, podcasts of our type out here, and uh, it really helps us, you know, people know that we exist because it bumps us up. It's the way that the algorithms work. And you can find us on Stitcher and Google Play and wherever else you find podcasts. And uh, yeah, enjoy your evening or morning or afternoon or whatever time it is. That's all we got. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. I'm Steve. And this was Stramming Thing. Just that.
Scheiße. <lacht> Oh, no. Oh, that's going in, dude. Be ballsy.